With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. I would be willing to bet, well, I don't want to bet, I would be willing to say 99% of you have not ever done this at all. Hello. Don't turn me off yet. Glory to God. I'm not just stepping on toes. I'm starting to slap your face now with the Spirit, ain't I? You see, a revival that will restore the joy and victory back into the lives of the children of God is needed now more than ever. There are too many defeated Christians living in America today. Too many discouraged Christians filling the church pews today. Too many backslidden Christians being observed by society today. And I'm talking from the preacher on down. Amen. We need to realize that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need a revival where God will give us a song, a new song in our hearts again. Not a song that's about sex and drugs or killing people. We need to get to the place where it's exciting to be alive again. It's exciting to be a Christian again. It's exciting to go to church again. So let me ask you a few questions this morning. How long has it been since you read your Bible or spent more than one minute in prayer? When was the last time you stood up in church and publicly thanked God for answering prayer? When was the last time you helped somebody in need without expecting something in return? When was the last time you prayed for someone who was lost or even invited them to church? How long has it been since you shared your faith with anyone? Or is that something that you have never even attempted to do? Now, let's contrast those questions with these. Now, be honest. Be honest in your answer as you compare yourself to the questions I already I just asked. And these I'm going to ask you now. Are you ready? 
When was the last time you talked about someone behind their back? Gossip. How long has it been since you refused to talk to someone or turned your head away when they spoke to you? When was the last time you watched a movie you shouldn't have watched or listened to a song that you shouldn't have listened to? How long has it been since you cursed or maybe even told an off-color joke? Come on. Be honest. How long has it been since you wished you had something that your neighbor owns? A boat, motorcycle, whatever. How long has it been since you bought something you know you could have done without, but you wanted to look cool? Answer those questions. How long has it been? Folks, let me ask you this. Let me talk to the kids for a second. Children, how long has it been since you disobeyed your parents or talked back to your parents? When was the last time you purposely said or did something to hurt somebody's feelings? It's all the same thing. If you answer these questions honestly, you'll be able to see we are in need of revival. So the first thing we need to recognize is that we need revival. Unfortunately, we as Christians have been influenced more by the world than the world has been influenced by us. We need to face up to the spiritual realities that are in place today. We need to see ourselves as we really are, not as what we think we are. Measure yourself up against the book of Acts in the Bible. Because that is the outline of what the church is supposed to be doing. Is your church doing what's outlined in the book of Acts? If not, why not? Well, Brother Bob, the book of Acts was in Jesus' time. Those things were just for them. Is that right? I'm sorry, I thought the Bible said God never changes. So if he used the church from the book of Acts as the example of the first church, do you think he set it up that way because he wants it to change or because he wants it to operate that way? Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5 says, Then I said, Woe is me! For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Amen. Here's another example. I'm not going to dwell too long on this one, and you'll see why. (laughs) If you're overweight and want to lose 20, 30 pounds... The first thing you have got to do is admit to yourself you are overweight and that you will not be able to lose the weight you want to lose unless you make some changes. In the same way, we are not going to see any positive changes in our society until we, as Christians, start making some changes in the way we live our lives, especially 
when it comes to our prayer lives. The second point I want to make today is this. We must recognize the vital role prayer plays in bringing about revival. It takes discipline, folks, to lose weight. Let's be honest. In that area, most of us are not very disciplined. I know I'm not. I try to be. Amen. But I guess I've lost somewhere around a 1,000 pounds or more during my life. The problem is I keep finding them again. Amen. I know you can relate. Some of you people can relate to that. I know I'm preaching to somebody out there. We always want the quick fix. We want to drink a slim fast or two, take a few diet pills, and then after just a few days when we step on the scale, we only see that we lost a pound or two. And most of us get discouraged and just give up at that point. In a way, I think that's how it is when we start praying for revival. We get really excited about the possibilities that revival holds for a few days. For a few days, we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and confess our sins to God the Father. But eventually, maybe after a few days for some or a few weeks for others, we get discouraged because we do not see any visible signs that our prayers are making any difference. We don't see any evidence of revival in our lives or in the lives of the people around us. So, we just give up and stop praying for it. George Feeney, he was a great evangelist way back in the 17th century, once told about a man who lived in a small town, and the town was in desperate need of revival. The little church that the man attended was nearly dead. Most of the members who did attend were suffering from spiritual apathy or indifference or complacency. The majority of the people in the town were unbelievers and it could seem like they were the they didn't even care about spiritual matters. And in a way that kind of sounds like our country today, doesn't it? At least it does to me. We live in a community where statistics say at best 18 to 20 percent of the people are attending a church of any kind on a regular basis. And many of those that are in church today are pathetic. I mean, <laughs> apathetic. Pathetic would be accurately describing them too, but amen. Uh, apathetic. You know, don't write me a letter saying, Brother Bob called me pathetic, you ugly thing, you. The people are indifferent or complacent when it comes to reaching the other 72% of the people, 72, 82, 82% of the people in this area who are not in church. Now, some pastors talk a big game. Oh, yeah. But they have very little results. I mean, you can be the claim to be the best quarterback that ever lived. But if you have never played for the NFL, if you never actually made it to the big game in the Super Bowl and proved it where it counts, it's just a bunch of hot air. 
Pastors are the same way. They may talk a lot about impacting their community. They may talk a lot about the lost in their area. But if nobody in the church is inviting anyone to church, maybe it's because they don't believe the church is going to do anything to make a change. Amen? I know there's some pastors out there that just had their toes stepped on. Amen? We need to learn a lesson about the importance of prayer from this old blacksmith that George Finney wrote about. This person had such a strong burden to see his church and his town experience a revival and a spiritual awakening that he closed the doors of his blacksmith shop and spent the entire afternoon in prayer crying out to God, asking God to pour out His Spirit on that little church and asking Him to convict people of their sins. Think about what He did. He sacrificed an entire afternoon of wages to pray for revival. How many of you would be willing to take off half a day and meet at the church and pray for three or four hours for revival? Hmm? I bet not many. I bet if the pastor said that he was going to start a 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock revival this Friday, and would you take off work and come meet him at the church, there would probably only be one or two people, and those would be the one or two people that always come to whatever the pastor asks for. Amen. You see, this man, after he spent the entire afternoon in prayer, the man felt led to go talk to his pastor and ask him to open up the church next day, the very next day, for a special service. The pastor tried to talk him out of it because it was a work day, and he was afraid nobody would show up. But the man kept pressing him, so eventually the pastor reluctantly agreed to do so. The next day, when it came time for the service and the pastor walked out, he was shocked to see that the church was completely full. He didn't know what to do since he had not really expected anybody to show up. So he didn't even prepare a message. So they all just sat there in silence for several minutes until one man broke out and started begging for someone to pray for him. Others did the same. Before they knew it, revival had broken out and people's lives were being changed. Take note of this, pastors. The pastor did not preach. Sometimes, as Abraham Lincoln once said, sometimes it's better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. Amen? Most pastors think they are the gifted orators from God. That they have a gift to speak. It's not so. You should be the mouthpiece of God while in the pulpit. But sometimes God has to say, shut up, fool. I'm working on something here. You know, you heard me tell a story that I was preaching in a church and it was a good sermon. I mean, 
I had the complete 40. I would have to rush to get in 45 minutes. It'd be probably closer to an hour that I'd be preaching. And I got 15 minutes into my sermon. And the Holy Spirit told me, okay, stop preaching, give the invitation. And (laughs) when you look at the video, I'm out in front with the people and I just stop when I heard the Holy Spirit say that. And I turned around, walked back up to the pulpit, put both hands on the side of the pulpit. And just bowed my head. It looked like I was praying. And I was. I was praying to God. Arguing with God to be more accurate. In my mind and in my spirit. Saying, God, it's only been 15 minutes. I got at least another half hour. I got a good sermon here. And the Holy Spirit said again, shut it down and give the invitation. So I looked up and told the people, the Holy Spirit just told me to shut it down and give the invitation. So I went through the invitation. One person came forward. From the back of the room, a deacon in the church came forward and gave his heart to the Lord. You see, he had been deceived into thinking he had been saved all his life. But whatever it was I said in that sermon, it convicted him. And he told the Lord, you know, he he just wanted to run down the altar and get saved right then. So the Holy Spirit made it possible. So you see, you don't have to preach an entire message. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes God just has to say, shut up. I'm working on something here. And when you try and argue with him, you know, about, well, I still got 20 minutes or whatever. He says, shut up, fool. And you can either obey God or not. If I would have ignored what the Holy Spirit was saying and kept on going, the devil would have talked this deacon out of doing that. Because it had already started in his mind. He says, what do you mean you're going to go up front? You told people you're saved 15 years ago. What's going to happen? What are they going to think? But because I obeyed the Holy Spirit that fast, the man had not had an opportunity to ponder those thoughts. Amen? So, in the story we just talked about with the man, the blacksmith, and the revival in the church, somebody later discovered that people all over town began being convicted of their sinful lifestyles at just about the same time that the old blacksmith closed his doors and started praying at his shop. The Bible tells us if we want God to heal our land, if we want God to send another great revival, that we are going to have to pray like we have never prayed before. We're going to have to be so burdened for the lost and for our community that we will go without food and without water, maybe even sleep in order to pray and plead with God to send the convicting power of the Holy Spirit upon the residents of this town or nation, wherever you may live. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I need to lose some weight, and I'm working on it. I know I need to eat healthier and get some exercise. I'm working it. I've, I've made some progress, but I don't always follow the plan. Amen.
Sometimes I try to justify what I eat by saying I just don't have time to cook, so let's go through the drive-through. Or I try to justify my lack of exercise by saying that I've got too much work to do and I can't even take the time to go for a walk. The reality is, the truth of the matter is, I want to eat that fast food and I don't want to exercise. I'm not proud of it. But the truth sometimes hurts. Amen? If you are being honest with yourself, you do the exact same thing. Unfortunately, many Christians have the same type of attitude when it comes to spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study. You know you need to spend more time reading God's Word and praying, but you justify your disobedience by convincing yourself that you're too busy and God will understand. (sighs) That's just an excuse. I usually get up somewhere between 4 and 5 a.m., maybe 6 on the weekends. You see, I get my Bible study finished first thing in the mornings, my prayer time, my alone time with God, just being ministered to. Then, no matter how busy I am during the day, I know my priorities started right. Amen. If I know I need to be somewhere early, maybe catching a flight or whatever, I adjust my wake-up time two hours before I need to leave to do this. So I have to leave, let's say, for the airport at 5 a.m. to catch a 6.30 flight somewhere. I get up at 3. I'm still going to do my alone time with God. I'm not bragging. Don't say Brother Bob's bragging. No, I'm not doing that here. It's an example. I'm just giving it to you as an example. Are you following God or are you following the world? If you're following God, what does the scripture say? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then what? All these other things will be added to you. So if you get up earlier than you have to in order to study God's word and spend time with him in prayer, I call that putting God first. So what's his part? To add to you the things you need, including the energy to get through the day by walking up or waking up two hours early. Amen. The truth of the matter is, the majority of Christians today, they don't want to read their Bibles or pray. They want to do what everybody else is doing. They want to talk on their cell phones. They want to text. They want to surf the internet. They want to play video games. They want to watch TV or go to the movies or listen to hours upon hours of music on their iPods. Maybe, just maybe, we need to be reminded about what Paul said in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe that's the problem in America today. Too many Christians and too many churches have conformed to the pattern they see in the world. What do I mean by that? Well, many people go to church to be entertained. 
instead of going to worship God. Don't get me wrong. I don't see anything wrong with having a good time at church. But if the only reason a person comes to church is to be entertained, then something is definitely wrong with that person's relationship to God. You know, give me a second here. Some people will use the excuse of going to church for the worship service because it's a famous church or, or you know I'll just I'll, I'll just call them out. I'll use the name Hillsong Church from Australia. Darlene Sheck made them famous. And people would go to church to listen to Hillsong's music. They forgot about whatever the sermon was about because they were just there for the music. Then on the other end of it, I remember uh, Jesse Duplantis was coming to Austin, Texas. Jesse Duplantis, if you're not aware of it, he's a very famous preacher who is able to tell stories that just have you laughing at the guy. It's like a comedian. But the messages that are contained in his stories really hit home. He uses the, the comedic effect to get people to drop their guard, and then he hits them with the word. Amen? He was coming to Austin. And we went down there, and they had the normal worship service in the beginning, but everybody was there to see him, the comedian. They wanted to be entertained. That's what I mean by people go to church to be entertained. Amen? If the only reason a person comes to church is to be entertained, then something is wrong with that person's relationship to God. If a pastor or any other person in the church does or says anything for any other reason than to glorify and magnify the name of Jesus Christ, then he or she is sinning against God. If you or someone says, church was boring today, then you were there for the wrong reason. You are to go to church to worship, not to be entertained, to worship. If you, as a pastor or preacher during the course of your sermon prep, or as often happens to me is when I'm preaching, in the middle of your sermon, God gives you a word to say, and then you begin to question yourself. If I say this, sister so-and-so is going to get mad, or brother so-and-so is going to be offended. Some people may actually get up and walk out. That's going to impact the offering because it hadn't been collected yet. If you find yourself saying things like this, it's for that person God is wanting you to speak. Sometimes the best wake-up call is a good slap in the face. Amen? Well, Brother Bob, what happens if they get offended and leave the church? What's that to you? What is that to you? Do you serve God or man? If God tells you to say this and you say, thus saith the Lord, and you let it rip, and three quarters of the church goes, 
I ain't sitting here for this, and they get up and walk out. What is that to you? If you are doctrinally 100% correct, and you know that the Holy Spirit has told you to say this, what is that to you? You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time when we gather together around the word of god be blessed and remember we serve an awesome god with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.